Good day and welcome to The Buzz, a Bank Automation News podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Lorraine Lawson. I recently spoke with Yaron Hazan, the Vice President of Regulatory Affairs at ThetaRay. ThetaRay is a cybersecurity and big data analytics company based in Israel. The AI and machine learning based solution was recently used by a bank to identify and break up a child trafficking ring. I asked Mr. Hazan to explain how the bank used ThetaRay to recognize that some cross-border transactions might be related to child trafficking. Uh, so ThetaRay initially was designed to find anomalies in large sets of data. Uh, if you ask the two math professors that started all this journey 25 years ago, uh, they actually had the vision to cure cancer and to anticipate uh, severe uh, cyber attacks or uh, problematic events or crises uh, in large sets of data. Eventually, in the last five, seven years, five to seven years, Tetaray started and now is very heavily involved in uh, working with the financial system, with the banking industry and our payment service providers and regulators. And we found even before I arrived, the company found, but definitely since I'm involved, uh, we found uh, that we really kind of got the right key to the hole that was missing. Because no matter how you look at it, the banking industry is not the police, is not intelligence organization. They should not have uh, originally those specific skill sets and types of data sources that police units should have, or FBI's of the world should have. They should have maximized the data they own to identify what is unusual and potentially suspicious, combine and connect the dots, and therefore report suspicious activity reports to those financial intelligence units that support those criminal investigations. So for fulfilling their role as a, a gatekeeper for humanity, they needed to have the right approach and the right tools. The right approach was not there until maybe the second decade of this century, uh, where I think following the HSBC case in 2012, all banks uh, changed their, their, their uh, approach to the fight against financial crime to be more proactive and to really try to do it the best way they can. Uh, and since then, the tools that they use are evolving. But now, as I said, finally, there is the key to the hole because it's exactly what was expected from them. Not to find the bad guys and the criminals, but to find those unusual financial activities to potentially indicate that there is a crime going on. And this key would be, you said there was a key. Tetari. Okay, Tetari. <laughs> And use uh, machine learning. Uh, so how yes. do you, and, and part of the, the challenge, I guess, is that, or the opportunity is that these patterns emerge more with cross-border payments. Is that correct? Totally correct. And how did, it even more complex. Can you explain that a little? Of course. Uh, and through the explanation, I will give you the case that you asked at the beginning about okay. the child trafficking that was detected. Uh, a certain branch of a global bank in Eastern European country had customers uh, 
two ladies, if I remember correctly, and an additional few men that opened an account uh, for a small business that was defined as providing medical services uh, that are related to children in some way, okay? I don't remember exactly what was their business, but this was the description that we received from the bank after we detected the case. So they open bank accounts in a certain Eastern European country, and they start receiving and sending uh, certain amounts of money that are usually not too large. I'm not talking about hundreds of thousands of euros. I'm talking about sometimes few thousands of euros, sometimes a bit more, sometimes even a bit less. How is this being uh, received? Let's say at a large bank, no matter which one, let's say just for example, because I work there, HSBC. How is this received at HSBC in New York, for example? First of all, since the funds are being transferred in US dollars, HSBC in New York or any other American bank can be the one who clears the dollars for those banks that are on the, on the chain of banks that are involved in this transfer. So it started in, a, in an Eastern European country in a certain branch of a global bank, moved through Europe to this certain bank headquarters, moved to HSBC in New York because it has to be cleared in dollars, then goes to another bank in New York because this is the other bank that is clearing dollars for the destination account bank. So we see that we have at least five to six banks involved in a payment where the only one who could potentially know who is the originator was this branch in, in the Eastern European country. All the rest have no visibility about who is the, who is the entity. So this is what makes it so complex. Lack of visibility, the complexity of each transfer due to the clearing mechanism, because in certain currencies, transfers have to go through several stations and countries. And each bank has only limited uh, activity. In the past, they even perceived it as limited responsibility. Now they understand that they are responsible, even as the intermediary bank, for all, this, all, the thing, all the traffic that goes through them. And uh, most of them uh, uh, find it very challenging uh, to understand each and every activity that goes through them. The volumes are going much bigger. Digitalization, COVID-19, all these phenomena made the fact that we're not, we don't go to the branches anymore. Everything is online. Uh, there is much more online cross-border activity. And banks just feel that they are walking in the dark. And uh, this is why, by the way, we called our new solution Sonal, because it helps you see in the areas that were not visible to you in the past. And this is an automated solution? Like, does it operate on the cloud? Um, or does it require you, your company to have some intervention with the data? Or does it automatically tell banks, hey, we've got a, a weird case? How does that work? For cross-border activity, we have a fully automated solution that can be uh, implemented either on-premise or on the cloud. Depends on the customer's requirements, needs, environment, whatever. Uh, and now I think cloud is even in some cases more secured than on-premise in several cases. Uh, and since we, Tetare, we don't need to know anything about the data anyway, 
So most of the data is usually anonymous and we still identify or the system identifies what is potentially suspicious very easily. Um, so I know, you know, obviously there's a proprietary component here and I don't, you know, I'm not asking about that really, but I mean, unless you want to reveal that, <laughs> I probably wouldn't understand it. Uh, but I do wonder how you train models uh, to do this sort of work. How is it, Do you know the history of how it, it's been trained to do that or... So uh, most of it, by the way, is not only that it is not confidential, it's even published. If you are a math professor, you will understand it perfectly. Uh, I don't. Uh, in terms of the math behind it, I understand the, the logic or the process very well. I don't understand the formulas of the math, why it's so uh, uh, accurate. But the, the, the principle is like it goes like that. Historical data is being served for training, as you already started to, to understand and anticipate. There is some kind of a training involved. Historical data is, is served for training. The algorithms learn through the historical data what is the normal behavior. This is why we work so different from anything that was uh, used for financial crime detection in the past. In the past, like, like you started thinking at the beginning of the call, you had experts like me defining what could be suspicious, and then you try to find this thing that is potentially suspicious. Uh, Tether works the other, other way around. First, it scans all the data, learns normality in the data, because most people are not criminals and most activity is normal. And then start to highlight in different parameters of the data what is unusual compared to the history of the entity and compared to the population for the same period. This is what makes it so accurate because it's, it's all the time, uh, it's not uh, too much uh, exposed uh, to trends. Like in COVID-19, many people changed their financial behavior. But since many did it as a trend, Tetra saw it as a trend. So everything that was normal for me was normal for other customers of the bank. So it didn't impact the result too much. It impacted, but not too much. Uh, so it goes like, learning from the past, learning from the population, and then highlighting all the unusual points in the data, and then connecting it to the entities that are involved and finding the patterns and the risk indicators. And the case uh, with the potential child trafficking, yes. has that been resolved yet? Or was that turned yes. over? I assume Not it was turned only, over. Yeah, we received feedback within a few months uh, that the system detected the case that was, uh, we detected it on July 2019 data, where in October or November 2019, four months later, uh, I guess through law enforcement inquiries, the headquarters of the bank approached this branch and asked him about this activity because it's related to child trafficking. And the response was, come on, Tetere discovered it four months ago. We already stopped the activity. We already reported to the regulators. And we saw that something is very, very suspicious there because it was supposed to be a business that uh, is related to medical services. There was no clear website that was related to that. There were no licenses or any kind of connections between these accounts and any other medical uh, service providers, any uh, other companies that are in the medical industry. 
Uh, and uh, one of the things that really helped Tether uh, detect it is that we are not limited by any thresholds. This is why we detect also terrorist funding. So even if the amounts are relatively low, but the activity is really unusual, Tether will detect it. Um, and have they been arrested in that, or do you know? I don't know. I don't Not know sure. the final outcomes by the regulators or law okay. enforcement. And so, Data Ray, did you become involved as a vendor? I mean, is that always what happens? Do you always know when your software is used to find these things, or did you just happen to find out about this case? Like, I'm wondering. In many how- cases, in many cases, since our funding, our finding are so unique and result in a very interesting and relevant investigations. Uh, so in many cases, we receive feedback. For example, we had a case that was uh, actually a suspicion for terrorist funding in APAC. And the bank in, uh, eventually came back to us and told us that it was illegal gambling network, which is in some car- characteristics similar to terrorist funding, because you have certain uh, centers that collect or donate funds to many into many small amounts or from many small amounts. And the same goes for a booking of gambling, illegal gambling. Uh, so they told us that they thought it was terrorist funding, but eventually they have enough information to summarize, to conclude that it was illegal gambling. Uh, we had a case that was confirmed, confirmed as terrorist funding uh, in Spain in the past. Uh, because the regulator came to the bank and told him that there was a case uh, that that I actually found that was related to terrorist funding. And uh, in uh, some cases, we are invited to conduct an investigation because there are some uh, open source media publications of a large scheme. And then a bank tells us, okay, let's test my data and tell me if I was exposed to it. And then we have, it's not like fully blinded. It's not fully unsupervised. We have some clues about some parameters or characteristics of the scheme. But then we run the system and we found the network of people that are related. If you remember the Russian laundromat a few years ago, we found for a certain bank in the UK, I believe, all the 51 uh, shell companies that were opened and operated through this bank in the UK, for example. And they had information only about three or four before that. So it sounds like um, a lot of your cases do involve cross-border payments. Uh, Do you detect anomalies within countries too? Yes. Uh, We already have production, and this was also published, so I can say it in Santander Group, for all the cross-border activity. But uh, for that bank and some other banks, we implemented the detection mechanism for retail banking, which is mostly domestic. Uh, we implemented it for SEPA payments that are regional European payments on the one hand, but on the other hand, even within Spain or within Italy, SEPA mechanism or SEPA method is valid uh, for, for local domestic payments. So we also run it on domestic payments. Um, who were the mathematicians, by the way? Do you? Do you know their names? Yes, Professor Ronald Kaufman, uh, part of the DAUPA uh, and was awarded by Bill Clinton, is from Yale University. And Professor Amir Averboch uh, from Columbia University and Tel Aviv University until today, he's our CTO and still working on a day-to-day basis in the company. 
Well, and speaking of technology, CTO, um, you run in the cloud, correct? Not on-premise? Both. What cloud? Oh, both. Okay. What, what, what's some of the technological underpinnings that people would need to know to, to uh, assess your solution? Are you on AWS? Are you... Both, Azure, uh, AWS. Uh, yeah, we're already in the last three years, we, we, we had to adjust to several cloud environments. So we fit with the, all the leading ones. Uh, in terms of uh, connectivity uh, and ETL and API and all those functionalities that can make the difference between the length of implementation, the effort that needs to be done during an implementation, we have done huge progress in the last 18 months. So if 18 months ago, implementing a cross-border solution would have taken six months, a few weeks ago, we have run it in, five, in four or five days to a bank in the Arab Emirates on the cloud, and we already presented the results within four or five days. What Without, changed? Uh, what changed? Automatic ETLing, the structure of the data uh, of SWIFT and other cross-border and SEPA and other cross-border mechanisms is quite structured. So you know what to expect in terms of structure of the data and it's consistent. So we automated the entire process from uh, importing the data and connecting directly to the SWIFT connector and gateway. So we don't need any ETL, any preparation, anything at all. We can, the system automatically can take the data, run it through the data frame of Tetra, include the algorithms and the features, train the system and extract results within a few days, as I said. Uh, I would say one thing, after 25 years of career of chasing bad guys, feeling that I'm one step ahead of them is a very good feeling and Tetra allows that. And uh, in terms of the industry and even humanity, when we think about child trafficking, terrorist funding, and all these worst phenomena that we think that are impossible uh, to manage, to detect, to fight against, I say it's possible. Of course, there's a lot to be done, not only on the financial industry and technology perspective, but also on the public sector perspective, cooperation between countries, all the things that are so hard to achieve. Uh, but still, it's possible. And I think we're going to make a big progress in the next few years on these. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Thank you for your time, and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice.